welcome everybody back to the domcast this is episode 13 we are here on a monday morning and yes it was absolutely worth every bit of waiting till monday to record because we're this close to the trade deadline we're so close as a matter of fact that me waiting to do this doesn't even matter because i could post this and it could be a trade today and be a trade tomorrow this might be a time where an emergency podcast has to happen it just depends on how busy the trade deadline is so if i end up doing a podcast on friday or something or saturday uh, of next week rather than sunday then you know why well this podcast is on spotify it is on apple Podcasts as well appreciate you spotify people as normal we are just about at 500 ratings so definitely appreciate that helping us get moved up and noticed things like that and uh yeah if you hadn't already noticed yeah okay that was just spiel right like button rate da 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 it's easy to rate all that good stuff yeah if you had noticed some trades have already went down yes there's been a couple um some small ones and some questionable ones trades that i didn't believe could actually happen or didn't think would actually happen and then some news in the pipeline that may get real interesting as the week ends that i still don't believe is going to actually happen but you never know oh this beautiful nba landscape it just changes all the time it changes with the quickness and we will get to talking about that after talking about the ones that already happened because the rest of it could very well just be smoke let's go with the one that caused the most uh, no, no drama just caused the most uh question marks i guess you would say los angeles clippers got rid of eric bledsoe yes they traded eric bledsoe justice winslow keon johnson and a future second round pick to the trailblazers for norman powell and robert covington the news we hope follows this week, and no, it doesn't involve Damian Lillard. We get it. They're not trading him anytime soon anyways. The news we hope follows is that they trade CJ McCollum because this move says that they are ready to restart or they're acknowledging that they should restart or they think that they can get somebody in the summer and who goes to Portland in the summer, whoever goes to Portland. Of course, I say that and then they land their first star free agent somehow, right? Okay, this trade confused people because A, Norman Powell is good, Robert Covington has use on a contending team, and the assets that they used to get Norman Powell. It's very, it's a thing where if you're a Portland fan, you start questioning why you're a Portland fan. You go, okay, we, we had Gary Trent Jr. once upon a time who has been absolutely hooping for the Raptors, and we, we did all that and, and traded him and then we just traded the pieces that we got for him for eric bledsoe <laughs> justice winslow keon johnson and a second pick that's where the questions come around for the blazers it's just look we we got a young player and keon johnson who knows what happens with the with the second round pick in the future but we got rid of some contracts that was the, the that was the point of that move for the trailblazers it's just the cost, if you look at the bigger picture, if you look at the, the whole picture that involves Norman Powell, that involves Gary Trent Jr., all that to clear some contracts is just very questionable general managing. Extremely questionable. Um, of course, they've had changes in management, too. So there's that. Anyways, for the Clippers, like, goddamn, they just got two very, what could be key pieces to a run. Now, not this year. I uh, even though I think they would be an extremely unfortunate first round matchup for somebody should Paul George and Kawhi Leonard be back at that time. 
I still don't see Kawhi off of a, a torn ACL straight in straight to the playoffs. And Paul George, who's now barely played most of the season, coming back and, and having them make some run. But it would be very annoying to deal with that team just from a from a scheme perspective. Um, but you start looking at next year and say, okay, now you've got major options. These are shooters. Uh, Roko, you can use him in a small ball lineup. And then this is a Clippers team that was already in a really good position before injuries last season. So this is an absolute win for them, especially because it didn't it just didn't cost them, man. It just did not cost them. Um, Justice Winslow is is still just trying to find a home, even if you think he's got a future. Uh, it wasn't like it was anything major for the Clippers. Uh, same thing with Bledsoe. He's a journeyman. And then a future second round pick that that cost was just very low. And so one one day you can have these, these lineups that feature uh, Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, PG, uh, Roko in a, in a big like there's just so much that they are going to be able to do lineup wise next season more than likely I'm not holding my breath for it this year but a big big win for a Clippers team that now also by the way is still with the eight seed so still playing range still playing team probably stuck in the play in at this point because they, they seem like they're definitely going to be able to win enough games to keep the six game lead that they have um that that would that would have to evaporate for them to fall out of the play-in so yeah this season even if you get paul george back this season which can happen so Kawhi is the one that's questionable it just kind of seems like Kawhi. would you bring him back when you don't have to <laughs> pg on the other hand i don't know what's actually up with his elbow but that was a decent team this season when they had him and pg was playing really good so if he comes back playing near that level and uh, you, you can play with some of these lineups with these new trade pieces you have. I really like what the Clippers did here, man. I really like what the Clippers did here. On the Blazers side, just look, uh, yes, I, I do get it. I do get the bigger picture thing and it, how it is really shitty. But also, they're just trying to dig themselves out of a terrible situation that they've created in having this, this team that clearly isn't going anywhere but refusing to rebuild. And so they, they, maybe they're starting to tear it down. Hopefully this week, I'm really hoping they send CJ off somewhere. And then I'm really hoping that leads to Damian Lillard saying, well, do I want to spend the next few years in my thirties as part of a rebuild? Maybe this is how it starts. Maybe this is how it starts for them. Um, they've been stuck in Midland for a while. It's the worst place to be in the NBA. You can't get really high draft picks, but you also don't win anything. And maybe this is their way out of Midland. That's what's that's what's happening with with Portland. You've got Anthony Simons, who's giving you solid performances without Damian Lillard. That shows, hey, if we uh, you know, start with some young guys, like the writing is on the wall there for him. Not that necessarily Simons is a guy that you can just go rebuild around, but you've got options. You've got options. But damn, yeah, that's got to hurt. If you're if you're a Blazers fan at this point, you've got a what do they call it? Is it a pain fetish? I guess. That's what I think about that trade. It really isn't that complicated. Twitter had fun with that one. I had fun with that one. And then there was another trade that actually happened yesterday. It was funny because the Cavaliers were playing the Pacers. And coming into that game, there had already been news that drops that said the Cavaliers were interested in Karis LeVert. Pacers went up there. Karis LeVert became Karis Clevert. He plays for Cleveland now. 
and he does it by way sorry cleveland makes that happen by way of trading ricky rubio who was injured lottery protected 2022 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick via houston and a 2027 second round pick via utah when the when i heard this rumor that the Cavs were looking for Levert, I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. I also didn't exactly know how they were going to make that happen because uh, they've been hanging on with the little bit of health that they have. They've mostly been able to keep their guys together. I know Darius Garland has been out some this week, but they've been able to compete regardless. So first thing that came to my head was, OK, well, how exactly do you get a player like that? I did not see it happening by way of of lotto picks and and Ricky Rubio, who who knows if he'll actually ever play for them. Um and just unfortunate for Rubio, super unfortunate for Rubio, because he was doing very good in Cleveland. He was one of the biggest factors behind the run that they were on earlier in the season. The Deterio ACL and he shipped out is, is a pretty raw deal, not going to lie, especially to Indiana that has absolutely no future um, as of now. Anyways, like they're, they're about to blow it all up. So it's not like a place that you would want to be if you're Ricky Rubio. Don't know if he'll actually ever end up playing for them. But man, for Cleveland, this is nice. This is very nice. You got a wing score, guy that can come in off the bench, give you instant offense. Um, and you didn't, uh, let, let's just look from a basketball perspective of where they are right now. You didn't pay anything to get it. Yeah, the picks, whatever. Um, but like, there's no player that you sent away that was already playing. They had tried to replace Rubio with Rondo. Um, so they essentially, as it pertains to this season, just threw Karis Levert on what was already happening. So that's that is awesome. I think that'll also help, even though Darius Garland and all star reserve Darius Garland to you has been handling the, the pressure well and the, the added role. Well, I think this will definitely help him a little bit. Um, gosh, pick and roll action with the bigs that they already have a shooter. This is an awesome move for a Cleveland team that is going to be very annoying to one of your teams in the NBA playoffs. Currently sitting at four seed, one game out of the first seed, <laughs> just with the way things have been going, with how guys have been in and out of lineups, it is not impossible to imagine in two months there's a first seeded Cleveland Cavalier team. It's not impossible. Of course, it's still hard because at some point the East will start separating itself and somebody will, well, in theory, somebody will permanently fall behind. But a first seeded Cleveland Cavalier team would be just chef's kiss on what has been a pretty chaotic season. And I don't think there's anybody that had that on their offseason ballot. First seeded Cavs, I, I just I won't believe you until unless I can get receipts, unless I can get dated receipts. Um, huge pickup for the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. That team has just gone from never being able to do anything without LeBron to a, a really nice future core in the span of one season, really. Pick up Jared Allen through via trade. Draft Evan Mobley. Darius Garland was already there. Uh, and uh, Kevin Love, by the way. You know what? Is this a good time to talk about Kevin Love? Since that's the... Because those are the trades, really. Um, then I have one more thing to say about the, the trade that I forgot with the Clippers. Uh, I'll talk about Kevin Love afterwards, actually. Because we're still on trades. So, good for the Cavaliers. Actually, just circling back to the Covington and Powell deal. I did want to read you off a tweet by Sean Marks. Uh, he's a good follow on Twitter. Apparently knows like everything about everything with the salary cap. And this is just, these were some hilarious interactions because he tweeted out, hey, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of comments on why the Lakers couldn't do a Covington Powell deal. It's called math. The Lakers don't have the contracts to take back two players earning $27 million. 
My bad. Bobby Marks. <laughs> I said Sean Marks. I was definitely thinking about the Nets because they're coming up here pretty soon. Bobby Marks tweeted that. That's the follow on Twitter. Um, of course, this was birthed out of the fact that the one L.A. team basically just got two very important rotation pieces for a run. Damn near for free. I say damn near for free. Not all the way free. Damn near for free. But of course, Laker fans came out and said, well, why couldn't that be us? Because... Bledsoe Winslow and and Keon Johnson is not really a a crazy player a whole. Why couldn't we have sent our our players that nobody really wants? There are players that aren't changing anybody's situation for that type of thing. And so Bobby Marks responded that, like, hey, it's the contracts. Now, the funniest thing is that in that thread, and you can go to that thread, it still exists. Just look up that exact tweet. You see all the trade machine reply guys showing, hey, there actually is contracts. There's the contracts to do this. And unironically, they are posting pictures of like seven Laker players being traded. <laughs> they had like pictures in the trade machine of damn near the whole Lakers bench being traded for these two guys. And they were doing it unironically. And I was just sitting there like, y'all do understand why the Blazers wouldn't want or probably wouldn't even be able to take on seven players, right? But even if they could, why would they be taking DeAndre Jordan and everyone else that nobody wants from the Lakers for these two players. I, I don't like at least in Winslow and Keon Johnson, you've got young players, right? And then it's the, the second pick, and you've also got a contract that comes off the books, so it clears the contracts. I don't understand at all why the it, it's it's called looking at practical deals. Sure, if you go to the trade machine, you can probably make any trade work with enough people, but a seven player deal that does absolutely nothing for the Blazers. I'm not even sure that type of deal clears contracts for them off the top of my head. And so it was just, I just thought that was hilarious that, that people were, <laughs> were real dead serious about that. Like, yeah, we could have got Covington and Powell. We could have just traded the Blazers, everybody that nobody wants. Um, so I think Bobby Marks was assuming that people would get it's implied that there's no realistic way that they they had the contracts to take back two players earning that much so clippers take that w the lakers gotta be in the market for a trade here uh even though they uh, i actually don't you know what i didn't even really have lakers talk this week i might be mentioning anthony davis um i was just gonna mention the comeback against the knicks and whatever that game was and then Russ being benched once again, and we're close to the trade deadline. And if they had lost that game the way they were losing it, I was like, uh-oh, it looks like we are headed for a 2018 Cavaliers situation. Still might be. Uh, I don't know. But the one that's even more confusing than whatever the Lakers can't or can't do is the James Harden situation. So that came up last week. But now there was solid news from Shams and Woj that Sixers were expected or are expected to pursue the Nets' James Harden ahead of the Thursday trade deadline. Brooklyn is reportedly open to discussing a deal. Whoa. Now that hit the ceiling really, really quickly. Wow. Everything in Brooklyn hit the ceiling really quickly. If you hadn't been paying attention, um, A, they are now in the play-in. They have fallen to seventh. Still four and a half games out of first seed, so you, you've been missing Kevin Durant. I guess you get it. They lost eight games straight. Harden has been missing games, which means on the road, it's just Kyrie and a bunch of uh, talent that is not supposed to be standing on its own. That has led to this massive slide. 
and boy they could be AC'd by like tomorrow this has gone left real fast as it pertains to the James Harden thing there's a lot of still a lot of speculation uh, he had the hand strain and now his hamstring is an issue again so he's been missing games there's been people out there like oh he's faking the injuries of course you never actually know what's happening with that there's nothing concrete they asked Steve Nash last night if they plan to train, trade trade James Harden Steve Nash said no so I guess we just pack it up right pack up all the conversations that means they're not trading him for the record I, I don't think they're gonna trade him this week but I Obviously, Steve Nash saying no does not mean that that's not being explored. Of course, Kyrie had to muddy the waters. He came in. They asked him about it. And he said something like, who who knows what's going to happen, which as one of the star players of a team to, to say that is just kind of mind blowing. But what's really surprising in Brooklyn these days? All right. Well, one day you're top four. Very close to first seed. You have the MVP candidate. The next MVP candidate is out for a month plus. You're sliding. Your halftime star can only play on the road. And when he has bad shooting games, it's magnified because he only gets to play those road games. So that's kind of been happening lately. And then the other guy gets accused of quitting, which again, a lot of unsubstantiated stuff going on there. We don't actually know but it has gotten real weird real fast and looking at a potential Sixers deal so this goes back to like last week saying we just hadn't heard any solid commitments whether it makes sense for Harden to take his option this year or not which it kind of doesn't make make sense for him to take his option till the summer but still just the fact we hadn't really heard any concrete um you know what am I looking for commitments or we hadn't heard much about it that gave reason for question and it's understandable if this is real and he does want out and there's a Philly connection it's totally understandable because it's going on in Brooklyn we've already been through how that might never turn into a championship situation and especially not the one that it looked like it could turn into when he got traded there it just leaves Kevin Durant in a very very tough spot and when I said that, I wasn't implying that he would want to leave Brooklyn because he can't. He just signed an extension. He's on an extension to, I'm guessing, I, I, well, first of all, he got his bag. So there's that. And he probably likes being in Brooklyn, too. But also, I, I just thought it was a show of good faith, too, to his other stars who both had options this summer that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here and we can make this work. And now you've got Kyrie halftime, who also has a player option this summer and Harden, who's got a player option and is in trade rumors. So if Harden does end up gone and Kyrie can't play full time, this is forever a weird situation for KD. Let's say even they get Ben Simmons, which I, I think Ben Simmons could definitely be a, a good thing on this on this Nets roster. I always thought that could be a pretty good thing for them. Then it's at best KD Simmons whatever else you got from the Nets which we'll talk about that in a second and and part-time Kyrie um for who knows how long KD is just in a really weird he's in a really weird place with that especially as he gets older and he has had an Achilles injury we hadn't seen the effects of that yet but as you get older the, I, I guess the hopes were probably that you don't have to put out MVP performances for your team to have a chance and it might stay that way. 
not just for them to have a chance, but for them to stay afloat. Because as you see, they cannot stay afloat without him, especially because without him, there's a, there only needs to be one other thing that happens. Oops, James Harden just got nicked. So now we're, we've lost eight straight. It's um gotten dark in Brooklyn really, really fast. What would a deal even look like? Would it be straight up? If that's even possible with Ben Simmons, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'll go ahead and tell you. I don't. I don't really wear the contracts hat. Like I told you, I'm not the trade machine guy. Um, but the reason I'm mentioning it, mentioning it is because how hard do the Sixers go in if they were to trade for him uh, right now? How hard do you go in for a guy who still has an option and could theoretically still leave? I'm guessing they would have to have some kind of commitment from him if they were to trade from trade for him, because. If you do that and you say you you give up more players on top of that, does Tyrese Maxey end up going in a deal like this? Because the Nets aren't just gonna cheap and give up Harden right now, are they? But then do you lose him for nothing this summer if he really does want to go? You see how many questions there are with this? How complicated this gets? Because what you get back is completely determined on what you think is going to happen for both sides. What you think will happen this summer? What happen, what ends up in, as a part of this deal? It's all intertwined. So last week I was saying Harden on the Sixers would be a problem. That was assuming it happened over the summer and he has a healthy hamstring and he's he's back kind of to, to Harden and he can do his offseason trading. Um, you trade this version of him that's that's still apparently dealing with the hamstring stuff. It does. Uh, it's hell. It depends. Again, depends what happens in the trade. But the Harden that's just kind of up and down and, and streaky. Uh, and has a great night for a couple of nights in a row and then it's back to a terrible shooting night just the uncharacteristic harden how much does that change things in the east for philly uh and how much does he have to do now with with joel and bead as well that's a that's another thing you have to consider and bead and all the improvements he's made does that make harden's life easier now because maybe he doesn't have to do some of the things that even he needs to do that he needed to do this year in brooklyn for them to be contending level does he does he have to do less they're playing with a dominant big who can now play make or who now play makes at a high level this gets real interesting real fast man i i still just have a hard time believing a deal that big that came up in the last two weeks is about to just execute itself in the next three days i don't i it, on this podcast here i will put it as a no which of course means it'll probably happen so you're welcome for a interesting trade deadline I just don't see it though i i don't see it i think they're gonna move on this season maybe there's a deal out there that they'll make but i don't think it'll be Harden. they'll move on this season katie will come back uh they'll stumble their way through whatever is happening chemistry wise but i'm not ready to just start putting the nail in it yet i'm not ready to start putting the nail in this whole experiment yet and i will also just say there's no reason to be revisionist but you know that's just how nba media works is then you got colin powell is that his name pretty sure you know the sensationalist nba media guy him coming out talking about oh we all y'all really thought Kyrie, kd and harden could work chemistry wise whoa 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 wait hold on time out time out all right let's not let's not pretend there wasn't a playoffs last year where those three looked like they be the most unguardable players to ever play together let's not act like in the 16 games they did play together they weren't what, what was it 13 and 3 they lost three games as a team together one of them was their first i believe to the cleveland cavaliers then they lost to the Pistons for one random day when their defense was just shitting itself. And I, I don't remember the other one. All right. So I'm, I'm just saying we don't have to pretend is all. We don't have to pretend if they weren't all three there, this wouldn't, this season would be a wrap. We don't, we don't have to do that. 
if they had all been healthy and all on the floor together, of course, not not just not just this this really weird back and forth thing. They'd have been healthy and been able to develop. It's been very hard for anybody to beat. But yeah, the takes are gonna fly. The takes are gonna fly. People don't like Kyrie. I get it. People don't like James Harden. I get it. Hell. I mean, there's still a section of people that don't like KD. I feel like he got more appreciation after his injury, but people still don't like KD sometimes. I get it. It's an unlikable big three, but we don't have to rewrite history here. Well, we will see what happens with that trade or if anything happens with it. That would be massive. Wonder how long it would take for Ben Simmons to get back since he's had no NBA action at all since. Hell, what are we approaching? Not really approaching a year. When did they go out in May of last year? We're not in May, right? So damn, we are kind of approaching a year since he's seen a basketball court. But yeah, just a just a whole lot of questions with uh with the Brooklyn Nets, and as they've moved out of the um safe spot in the East as the seven seed, the Toronto Raptors have taken that spot. They are now four and a half games out of first, uh, but still three games out of fifth. So you know a lot would have to happen. They've won five straight. And just a scrappy group, as we talked about last week, playing their starters damn near into the ground. And uh, they may, they're they still probably in the market for a deal this week, so they might get even better. Playoffs started today, they'd play the Bucks, And they've had some impressive wins, man. They've had some impressive wins. Um, and, and beating the Miami Heat twice, one time in a thriller, then they, then they go and defeat them again. I actually was going to name the Atlanta Hawks, but I remembered that that they uh that day trey young wasn't playing but they they've turned their season around man the raptors were pretty much in the hawk spot for a while they were around that 11th around that 10th spot and only thing i can think every time i see the raptors doing good and i've been thinking about this for the last couple of days is man they really since Kawhi left have only had one season where they were pretty much irrelevant which was the tampa season that nobody cares about or remembers they went Last year, you pretty much knew it was Kyle Lowry's last season there. And yeah, as a matter of fact, he had basically said goodbye. We thought he was a Laker. That would have changed history quite a bit. I just been thinking, wow, that, that roster still Siakam and Fred Van Vliet being there. OG Ananobi, if they had been able to keep Kawhi, just imagine where they would be in a healthy Kawhi, by the way. Imagine where they would be. The fact that the remnants of that roster have still remained competitive. And then this season where they're barely digging into their bench at all. Of course, Scotty Barnes helps with that. This is a also it's different. They're not really in Cleveland's here. Cleveland, I say they're going to be annoying to somebody in the first round. I, I guess that's more of the Raptors MO as far as being annoying, because Cleveland in a four or five matchup against Philly, that might see Cleveland. It might see Cleveland get to the second round. That's not a that's not an unwinnable series for them. And you look at the Raptors at six playing the Bucks in the first round that's in, or the Bulls. Like it's it's probably it's probably not winnable. So I guess they probably fall into the uh, annoying territory a little bit more. But yeah, shout out to Toronto. I'm just interested to see what what moves they're gonna make to to better their chances. Shout out to Fred Van Vliet, All Star Reserve Fred Van Vliet to you. Both he and Darius Garland made it, which is actually where I should probably go now. That's the other big topic. The All Star Reserves. That's where. That's exactly where I should go. Near Eastern Pool of Reserves. Drum roll, please. You know, I don't really have a drum roll. I just have that. I just have that. That one drum. It's not a drum roll. Jimmy Butler made it. 
Jimmy Butler made it. Not really surprised here. Has missed a ton of games, but he's been good when he played. Uh, finishing numbers this season are ridiculous. Miami Heat, very near the top of the conference. Not surprised Jimmy Butler got in. Darius Garland, also just not surprised at all. Very happy that there was room for him, too. Very happy that he was able to make it. Uh, it like I said, talking about Cleveland earlier, just an incredible job helping to keep them afloat. Even through all the injuries, a lot of that pressure came down on him because both guards that were in the backcourt with him ended up getting hurt, and he just handled it very well. Been a motor that helps make them go, makes life easier for the bigs. Very glad to see Darius Garland get his first All-Star berth. James Horton made the All-Star team, which not surprised at all. This is this is a name that had been a little bit controversial because you're like this hasn't been a good season for him and then of course what have you done for me lately you come into what's been happening the last week or so week or two and you go damn did somebody deserve it more but it's james harden is all he had to do was play somewhat decent he was gonna make it and um it's questionable but he's 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 here and i never I kind of never thought he wasn't going to be. As a matter of fact, I was afraid that he was going to steal a starting spot from Trey Young. When really it would have been, if anybody, I guess it would have been Zach Levine at that point. But when I saw the votes, I was like, damn, <laughs> this, this man might get robbed, but he didn't. Zach Levine also, of course, very, very, very deserving of the reserves. Chris Middleton. Yes, that was on purpose. It has been a fascinating season, and that's the one that people are like, okay, what the hell on? This is the one. Um, the Bucks went through a big stretch beginning of the season having guys in and out. I'm not sure the big threes record together anymore. I know it's not. It's probably not as good as it was. But either way, Middleton is not shooting the ball nearly as well this season, just across the board. Um, which is kind of true for a lot of players this year. I think the shooting averages are just down, period. Anyways, his, his shooting is down. The, the version of Chris Middleton that we have right now kind of feels like the one in playoff games before he just goes off. You know, remember last year's playoff series for a while, it'll be like, oh, well, they, they just need Middleton to hit some shots. What, what, like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden, he just, when you needed him, he hit everything. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if that <clears throat> evenly applies across this season, but it kind of just feels like that one where you're just kind of waiting for the Middleton that you know is in there. Anyways, yeah, he's he's made the all-star team. Um, and, of course, people are like, well, the metal ball, may I interest you in? <laughs> that's the one. And then also Jared Allen could have made it. That was I think that's really the, the one in terms of um, that type of player. Jason Tatum and Fred VanVleet round this out, by the way. Of course, Tatum, I think, is going to replace KD in the as a starter. I could be wrong. And Fred VanVleet and Darius Garland made it. So remember for like a month before the podcast, I was wondering if there was going to be space for them both. They have both made it. Since KD goes out, Tatum slides in. That means there's going to be a reserve pickup. And that's where I say, okay, this is once again why I don't really get that crazy about All-Star Talk because the LaMelo ball push, it's probably going to happen still. It's probably going to happen. Uh, once you once uh, once Tatum moves up, I, I think you'll probably see him there. Yeah, similar stats to Middleton. Uh, it's been exciting. Not shooting that great still. He's never he's not been a great three-point shooter yet, but he is 
a very big part of the engine that makes the Hornets go, obviously. Facilitation, perfect for an all-star game. I think you'll probably see him there. Um, I, I, I'd be surprised if you got Jared Allen instead. It's unfortunate. I thought Jared Allen, I, I, I thought he was, at a certain point, I thought he was pretty much a lock, not going to lie. I thought he was a lock to be in here, and he's not going to make it it's looking like it does not look good for the for the uh the fro brigade fro brigade i don't even know if that's what y'all what we really call ourselves jared allen stands i i don't know i i have no clue there's probably another there's probably another name that I, that's right there that i'm missing like there was that day when job ja moran i was talking about his performances and jaw dropping was right there and i said some other shit. i don't know man uh, these live recordings there not as easy as they seem the Western Reserves seem pretty easy, and then Draymond is going to get replaced. Yeah, Devin Booker, of course. Um, some argue he should have been starting. Luca, of course, he's made a really great late push here because he was definitely he definitely started the season questionable, but now the Mavericks are winning. He's doing uh, regular Luca things again. Luca Magic has come back out, he's dunking on people. Yeah, of course, Luca was going to be there. Rudy Gobert. I'm not going to argue that he should have been starting, but whatever. Draymond Green already said that he is not going to be playing, which a little bit worried. Just all-star games in a couple weeks. He's still not even going to be back yet. Uh, I am starting to, you know, as we as the calendar turns to March, I am starting to kind of like, you know, get a little bit antsy about Golden State and their health situations. Donovan Mitchell, of course. Chris Paul, of course. Cat, of course. Who's going to replace Draymond Green? Where are you going to go with that? I'll just go with the pick that I would like, because this will actually take me into talking about their team a little bit. The pick that I would like. And I don't think it's I don't know if it's going to happen. I'll be honest, though. I, I would like Brandon Ingram. I would like Brandon Ingram early, early in the earlier podcast. You would hear me talking about them. I still keep in. I still keep in touch with the Pelicans. I still uh, am always reviewing what he or Herb Jones is doing. And Ingram, it's one of those things, if you just look at the numbers, and of course, if you just look at his his shooting night, sometimes it won't really reveal itself. However, if you actually look on the court, you look how he's scoring, you look how he's creating for others, and you kind of understand it. Now, that's what I would want. Will he get that nod being where the Pelicans are in the standings? Hey, the Pelicans are in a better place in the standings than you would think. They're now in the play-in, y'all. Which means I might have to take an L soon. I might have to take an L because when they were 1-12 and and we were talking about Zion pretty much every week. Uh, back when he was still in, in the news and we knew uh, that he existed. I was basically saying, there's no reason to come back for Zion. The Pelican season is over. Now, I will say this. I'll take the L on saying the season is over that soon. I would not take the L on arguing that Zion shouldn't shouldn't come back. Still no reason to put a guy who's had weight and conditioning problems on on a team that is playing at absolute best. Don't think there's a reason for that. However, absolutely have got to give the Pelicans their credit because it was very easy to roll over and die at that point. They were in a really, really tough spot, Louisiana, and to fight their way up. To now, I'm not even going to say it's as good as, as it can get with the way things are going with the Lakers. About four and a half games behind them. It looks like they can get up to around ninth, honestly. And they have just been scrappy. 
the developing. Herb Jones, the rookie, also developing. Matter of fact, Herb Jones is the only page I didn't have pulled up. That's why you haven't heard me typing today, because I had quite a few topics on here, and I was like, let me have it pulled up. Herb Jones was the one I didn't. Um, but he has definitely been improving. You, uh, if you hear about Herb, you mostly only have heard about his defense or Herb about his defense. Anybody? If you go through around the last month, I would say. Yeah, if you go, but yeah, literally, if you go back a month, you look at his averages at around 13 points a game, 41 percent from three, albeit not taking that many threes. But that's good, because if it's not uh, really part of your arsenal, why take him that much? And 54% from the field. That's on top of reading passing lanes very well. And being probably already a top defender as a rookie. Which, by the way, th that's the same reason I'm impressed with Mobley. Is because when you come into the NBA as a, as a young guy. That's the one thing I'll, I'll give a pass for and say, hey, that can get better. Is It's defense. You, you come in and offensive skills, they're... Seem like a, they seem like a dime a dozen. That's what everyone works on. That's what everyone spends all their time on. So if a guy comes in and all of a sudden he's scoring 20 points, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see it. You come in with great defensive instincts. And you come in with what could be game-changing defense at that age. That's Now that's really, really impressive. And so that's great because that'll always be able to get you some minutes. The fact that he's got offense coming in on top of that, specifically in the Nuggets game, uh, I, I cut up a bit of that. Uh had some reading passing lanes, had nasty, very nasty fast break Euro step, more of a drop step. Um, got into the lane well, was getting very high on those dunks. Definitely like what Herb Jones has brought to them. This is why you heard me speaking of last week when it came to trades. I was like, is that something that you would be... Because to get CJ McCollum and how much the, the Blazers don't like to make deals, I'm assuming... <laughs> For that, for look, it's one thing for Norman Powell and Rocco, I guess. CJ, I don't think they're giving away. So if that, since I heard the Pelicans mentioned, I was saying that I don't, I don't really know if they're gonna be able to do that without letting go of Herb. And I don't know if you want to, because if you're the Pels, now it, they're starting to be, it's starting to be a zone where there, there's proof. And basically, what I was saying was, if they had had Zion this year in the roster that they have, this would pretty solidly be a playoff team in my opinion thought zion was such a big loss that they wouldn't even get close but with the roster they have and what it's shown and and how how willie green has been up there coaching would have pretty solidly been a playoff team so i guess it's if, if you're in new orleans do you want to make a drastic move and say okay yeah we're gonna get zion back next year and we're gonna go ahead and and trade a young guy and get cj and, and go in on that because cj is like we spoke about it's 30 it's pretty much 30 it's getting close to 30, if not already. I can't remember exactly if he was 28 or 30. Either way, it's like right there. And so that's more of a right now move when you could just let these young guys develop, play together. You come in next season, maybe shocking all a little bit. <clears throat> maybe it takes the load that you need from Zion down as, as he rehabs. That's definitely there's some interesting things going on for the next season. But they've got positives, man. They've got positives. And I will gracefully take my... Pelicans L. Not still not guaranteed that they're gonna make the play in. I mean, I'm looking at Portland now. I think that they've gotta fall and, and one more trade too, and they will definitely fall out. And there's the Spurs, you know that DeJounte and, and Keldon Johnson are gonna give you something every night. They're still right there for it. Um hell, even Sacramento, who are we talking about next? 
yeah, there's there's still very much a chance the Pelicans won't make it. But to even be where they are, given how they started the season and how deflating it was to think Zion would be there and he's not, that's uh, they, they deserve credit for where they are. And so with that, I just thought that maybe Brandon Ingram would end up getting a all-star spot. But if not, I mean, he, he's been there before, I'm pretty sure, right? He's already got one, so it's not like it's his first one. Um, and yeah, those are your those are your those are your reserves. Those are your reserves. Those are your all-star teams. At some point, we will hear replacements in the East. We'll hear both replacements actually, and uh, we will have a grand old time. We will see the draft. Rudy Gobert will be picked last. <laughs> Thursday, February tenth is where they do the draft. Was where LeBron and KD will be drafting. Even though KD won't be playing, he'll still be drafting. And LeBron is playing. LeBron James is back. LeBron James is back and he, he looked good. So I'm glad that that didn't turn out being a thing where, oh, he just sits out a month with some random knee injury. That, that's that's really good news for the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis, that's the question. Well, because AD has been balling since he got back, by the way. AD has been going hard. Has he played enough to get this, this reserve spot that's going to be open? Because now he's back up to uh my bad um that game log so he's been back now how many games he had one game where he was inactive so he's played one two three four five six games i believe and lo and behold they're doing what i wanted by the way they're using him right um it's not just him taking contested jumpers or him just at the elbow trying to be a guard but he has a he's doing a lot of damage inside and they're getting him in a lot of good spots. So it's it's twenty it's actually twenty six and eleven from him. Three blocks a game since he's been back. Fifty six percent from the field, and again not taking many threes at all. He's only attempting one point two per game in this last six that he's been back. So it's this is this is great. It's not even in that role where it's like, hey, we need. 80 to be one of the best shooters so Westbrook can work. It actually feels like they're giving up on Westbrook. Is is what it feels like lately. The next game happens. They bench him. Uh, Malik Monk comes out and absolutely dominates to get them back in the game. That's a shooter. There's a lot of questionable things. Questionable quotes, quotes coming out when it's like Frank Vogel saying, hey, this... You know, the, hopefully the response is better in the playoffs and we were doing better on defense and offense without them. Things like that. Just I, it feels like they want to move on because they realize this experiment is going horribly. AD saying he's got to get out of his head. Same thing LeBron is pretty much saying. It's like, I trust his work. Uh, I trust his work in this league. He's got to stop second guessing himself. And this circles back to when I said about two or three podcasts ago, I hope he doesn't have to finish the season in LA because mentally, I just don't think it's going to be good. He got booed. He started getting booed. He started getting booed uh, by his home home team, uh, by his, his home. This is where he's from. This is a big thing to play for the Lakers. And like I said, just bad timing. He's playing next to LeBron, you're, you're declining. You're uh, not helping a lot of the times. He... Added to the the backboard miss compilation against Knicks, he had a defensive play where he just completely, completely fell asleep. He was looking down. Uh, there was screen action happening. Knicks got a look because of it. Losing the ball when he's he's going up with it. Just just a lot of just a lot of uh, 
bad things that led to him and being booed and benched it just can't be good man it cannot be good just from for more than just basketball reasons like i said i hope he doesn't have to finish there because this is just not going good for him personally um and so that's that's really all i wanted to say about the lakers this week lebron just came back they currently sent ninth seventeen. no sorry um yeah ninth seed uh they're what about three and a half games in the play-in right now so they could still move up but there just has to be a stretch at some point where LeBron and AD uh, stay on the court for a while. That's it. And shout out to that comeback against the Knicks because I, I that just felt like a I just felt like something really bad was about to happen. Moving on to a team that is doing well, better than well for themselves. I did just want to throw this out there. <clears throat> Because the Suns are still first seed. By the way, even with all the in and out this, the Warriors have had, did want to point out they're only two and a half games behind the Suns. So there is that. But also, just a stat that I came across. This one for, was from... um, Damn. This is the one time I didn't have the, the tweet guy. His name is Shane. He follows the... He, he covers the Clippers on Twitter. Uh, but he said, DeAndre Aiden is now 45 of 70 on the hook shots this season. 45 or 70 that's a 64 percent mark you see it a lot of the time happening on switches like he's able to get that little hook shot up i had actually wondered also when we're talking about the all-star replacements could it be him but i deandre aiden has just missed a lot of time though too they have played uh 50 something games the suns have they've played 52 games deandre aiden has played 31 so i just like him and ad i've been wondering like have they played enough but you do have Aiden here on a, on the winningest team. He's playing 16 and 10. Uh, very comfortable this year in the time that he has been able to play 63% from the field. And that that wouldn't necessarily surprise me if he if he was able to get that spot. Um, but yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix is rolling behind that. That is just an interesting, interesting stat I wanted to mention there. Did take an L to the Hawks, but the Hawks are also just rolling too. Uh, even though they've they've lost their last two before that that was they, they were on a streak DeAndre hunter had come back very much helped them defensively that was a great 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 win against the suns if you're that atlanta you're gonna lose some you're gonna win some and lose some just hopefully you win a lot more than you lose being in that 10 seed and if they are they could easily muck up this eastern conference bracket uh, like we like we talked about because if they start getting into the form they were last year and they come in as an AC, well, all of a sudden, that's a really annoying first round matchup. It's not at all like playing the Celtics, who are also doing well lately. But it's not at all like playing the Celtics or the Hornets if you're going against Trey Young and um and a, and, a, and a Hawks team that's a bit revitalized. Oh, my. Bye. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I actually didn't have this one written down. What ended up happening to John Collins? Was it a separated shoulder? Did it? My bad, y'all. This one, I, I watched that game. He's questionable to play Sunday. Okay. He was quite, he was questionable to play, so it wasn't separated. It was a shoulder injury. That he had missed. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, I, I don't believe it was separated. I got scared about that because it looked like it, it was really bad. And that would have been really bad for the Hawks, too, because he's important to what they do. And uh, you know, he might be involved in a trade. We don't know. Um, that would have been detrimental. So, OK, it's not anything super serious. Um, so we talked about the, the Pelicans moving up. I did want to talk a little bit about Luka, just very minimally. So Mavericks, once again, doing very well for themselves in a season where they came in 
seemed very mid. We talked about the defense a couple weeks ago. Uh, now almost 10 games above 500. I am also interested in them to see if they make a go for it move in the at the trade deadline if there is one. Uh, <laughs> I, there was actually I don't know if it's real or not, but it, there was actually somebody who posted screenshots of them talking about Cuban about why he couldn't get Norman Powell or and or Roko, which is hilarious because everyone saw that deal and was like, well, damn, if that's all it took, why didn't we get them? <laughs> um, but Mark Cuban said something, it was something about the contracts. If those screenshots are real anyways. I just want to point out in a game Luca had 40 in. He also had 30 something in one of these games. Uh, so I can't remember exactly who they were playing. Anyways, he had 40 and they lost. And he ended up saying uh, that that one's on me. I was terrible on defense, which was a very accurate assessment. And I did just want to point that out because sometimes players make comments and it seems like fake humble. But also that's uh, it's coming from your best player who also dropped 40 points in a game. Sometimes I get I guess we underrate how probably hard it is or how big of a player you have to be to come out and and say that. Because of course there's the honestest of the world that are gonna say that they're not top twenty when they're probably top ten one day. There's that. But there's players out there that won't take much responsibility and they'll go at the media for calling out their obvious flaws and they'll be like, Why don't you talk about me when I'm playing well? That type of thing. And then there's Luca who will come out and just say, yeah, no, my defense fucking sucked. And we lost because of it. And me, the whole time, he was basically carrying the offense. So I just thought that was neat. I thought that was interesting. Dallas is still a fascinating team. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens in a couple of days. If, Namely, if they because if they were to make a trade that was of any substance, I'm guessing Brunson would have to end up going. But that probably has a has a good price tag it better have a good price tag on it spend maybe their second best player that better have a good price tag on it warriors are quietly on an eight game winning streak by the way and they won one of those games with moses moody and jonathan kaminga basically holding the fort down while everyone else was out that one was particularly interesting steph still up and down he had a 40 point game against the rockets but after that another mid shooting night but particularly with Kaminga first of all he's been having he's been getting a bigger role lately we had been saying nobody knows how or why he actually ended up falling to the Warriors like that that's kind of amazing and that night was just a possible indicator of future things and it's ironic that it came against the Spurs because that was the Spurs whole MO before Kawhi came in and blew it up it was we have a contending team we have a contending core and behind that, we have the players who are going to build the next core already. But they're also helping us contend now. That's literally what the Spurs did. That's why they weren't losers for so long. Also, Tim Duncan. But, um, but yeah, Tim Duncan and David Robinson. And then at a certain point, you had Ginobili and Tony Parker coming up. Then they were next. And then as they were falling apart, Kawhi Leonard came in and he was supposed to carry it. And they had LaMarcus Aldridge, by the way. They had Kawhi and LaMarcus Aldridge playing with the old core. And they were supposed to be the new duo. That was actually so incredible. And it's overshadowed by the fact that they went out in the second round. But that team that had won the championship in 2014 had uh, one of the best big men in the NBA at the time and Kawhi Leonard just sitting there playing with them. And then it was supposed. We know how it was supposed to go, but then we know how it did go. So, anyways, but that, that's what I see with the Warriors. So not necessarily that Kaminga is Kawhi or that Moses Moody. You know, that that was actually the biggest game Moses Moody has had this season. That's the most opportunity he's had. But those have been kind of the the hopes for Warriors fans is that 
those are the and either just Kaminga or hopefully both of them end up taking the mantle and you can develop them while still competing for championships. That is that is just all types of incredible. On top of the fact that James Wiseman is there and very his name seems like it pops up in trade bait more than anything, because, uh, well, at this point, Steve Curry recently said, hopefully he's there for the playoffs, which kind of says to me, Wiseman is not going to be a part of what they're doing this season. I'm just sitting here thinking if they've found a stride. Well, first of all, they've been in stride all year, uh, despite just getting Clay Thompson back and Steph shooting slump. They've been here the whole year. And if you're a winning team and you're competing for a championship, by the time the playoffs come, come around, which they probably will be. And then it's like, oh, hey, Wiseman can play now, but he's a young guy. Uh, he's never played with this core. How many minutes is he actually going to get? It's starting to feel like he might end up being uh he might end up being trade bait man he might end up being trade bait and so then you get even more pieces uh and you've still got and you do that without having to give up Kaminga or moody that is just light years man light years now steph just has to consistently stay out of a slump and draymond has to come back healthy because i don't give a damn how many games they win in the regular season if draymond it's not in the playoffs they're not winning that that is a hill i would die on Especially not beating Phoenix without him. They have to be so healthy because Phoenix, man, that is a, a tough team on every single side of the ball. As a deep team, as a hungry team. Um, yeah, that's that's happening. That is currently happening in the West. Um, I did want to just switching it out to the East a little bit. Tyrese Maxey is not going to win most improved, but I did just want to lightly mention his name there because on top of like this role found him this role found him Ben Simmons disappears Tyrese Maxey steps in obviously from just an X's and O standpoint probably fits better with Ben Simmons I mean with Joel Embiid and he comes in this season he doubles his scoring um he uh, he takes yeah he actually almost exactly doubles the amount of three-pointers he's taking while his percentage goes up so higher volume three-point percentage goes up 10%, uh, doubles the amount of shots he's taking, and his field goal percentage goes up by a point. It's like he's just handled this role very well. Early on in the season, was definitely wondering with him and Embiid, especially because Embiid was out for a while, it's kind of wondering like how to get them both going at the same time. Philly's offense is still questionable enough under Doc Rivers that you're not going to see me making any championship arguments for them. I left them out of the contender video until they make a trade that I feel is actually adequate <laughs> they don't um strike me as championship first seed or not this year uh but i did just want to throw his name in the most improved ring though because I, I feel like i never hear it there of course miles bridges exists um desmond bain exists i just felt like tyrese maxi should get a bit more love in that regard i would still probably go miles bridges right now this far through the season i think i would still go with him though because his game just took a, a noticeable leap on court. The type of things he was able to do in terms of creation. And then his scoring went way up too. So with Maxi, you could argue that like with the role he had last year, he stepped into this. He's he's maybe doing a lot of the things that he showed flashes of before. And um huh, that's interesting. 2020-2021. Interesting. Uh yeah, sorry, I just I just had a thought. With something I was looking at on the, on the box here. Yeah, his his role basically doubled and his production did. Like, Miles Bridges, just to fact check, I'm pretty sure his role did. Well, I know his role didn't double, but he just got so much better 
and so I would still have to stick with him at the moment. Uh, as you see last year, yeah, he's got a few more minutes than he did last year, obviously. Um, definitely taking a bit more shots, just not double. But yeah, he he just got so much better at basketball, and he's been a he's been fun to watch. He's not just the guy that gives you a, a poster every now and then. Also, heard the Hornets are trying to move PJ Washington, Mister Seven All Star votes, so seven player All Star votes. So there's that. Another guy that I'm looking at, young guy improving. Sacramento Kings, Davion Mitchell. Fascinating stuff, just because. Well, first of all, because I, I, I get the sense that there's probably people out there that realize I don't mention Sacramento had been losing. Well, I did. I did mention their losing streak. But anyways, it's like mentioning losing with the Kings. It's kind of synonymous. It, it, what I'm looking for with them is it's process stuff and building stuff, not how many games they're winning. Because I don't. I'm not counting on Sacramento to winning games. But anyways, since your boy has been out, uh. De'Aaron Fox. It's been out since the 22nd of January. Davion Mitchell is averaging 16 points, shooting 34% from three, and 45% from the field. He's playing next to Tyrese Halliburton, and I am high on him for the future. There's already the intensity of which he plays defense with, but his handles at the well, I'm about to say his handles at the two. Like you're not supposed to have handles if you're <laughs> if you're playing the two. No, um, no, his his aggressiveness on offense, his handles, and how shifty he can be. I see the vision. I can see the vision with him, and he's got more opportunity because De'Aaron Fox is out, and we know that their name, his name specifically, has been mentioned in trade rumors. It was first involved with the Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia 76ers. Then now the Knicks came up. So De'Aaron Fox. I don't know if he'll be moved before the end of this, but before the end of this week. However, at a certain point, it does kind of feel like they'll have to choose. I've already been all through that. And that makes it interesting in a future where Davion Mitchell is potentially the starting two. This is rookie season. He's going to get a lot better. I'm pretty sure he understands the need to improve his three point shot. He's just a, he's probably a below average three point shooter right now, but he still gets them up. And this stretch that De'Aaron Fox has been out, he's attempting seven of them a game. He's getting those up, which is important because you cannot be. I, I don't want to disrespect Tony Allen, but it just feels hard to believe you can be Tony Allen in today's NBA <laughs> and on a team that's eventually going to, uh, or the team that's building or a team that wants to win at a high level one day. I don't know if you can be Tony Allen in a starting lineup. So he's getting them up. I see very uh, I see a lot of room for progress because of how he can get into a lane because of how his handles open up the game for him. I just think David Dave Mitchell is going to get so much better and that might make things easier for the Kings. That might make some decisions easier for them. That's all I'm saying, because if you got him doing that and you got Tyrese Halliburton putting out 17 assists and getting better on offense like all of a sudden decisions become okay well somebody's expendable here where do we go and De'Aaron Fox has been there for a while so yeah that's just that's interesting to me Davion Mitchell has been very interesting to me you might have like a in two or three years you might have like a really legitimate two-way player a really really legitimate two-way player the Boston Celtics are doing better I repeat the Boston Celtics are doing better but I'm holding out if you start going and looking at advanced stats since 2022, start looking at defensive numbers, you'll see good things. 
but I'm also like, all right, let's just reserve it. I'm happy. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for us, I guess. We now are at a situation where we're tied for the sixth seed, actually. And because Brooklyn is falling out, it's opening up some space. Boston might end up there in a situation now where it's foreseeable to avoid a play-in. Of course, trades, wondering what's going to happen. Your boy Dennis Shooter is involved in some trade rumors with the Bulls and somebody else. Marcus Smart is involved in trade rumors, which I say you don't do that. But um, I guess Ross has to change eventually, but still, you don't do that. Anyways, the Celtics have now won five straight. Only thing is, it's like, all right, meet the Magic, meet the Pistons, which, by the way, off the top of my head, yeah, Kate Cunningham was not playing. So, Cadeless Pistons, Magic. Hornets is a good win. And I, I loved a lot of the defensive activity that I saw in that game as well. Uh, Hornets is a good win. Miami Heat still a good win, albeit they're missing a lot of people. Um, so, I was trolling a bit there. Pelicans. Eh. And then, of course, they just absolutely molly the Kings. So, I think that, that might have helped some of these stats go a bit lopsided. There was a win against Washington when Tatum dropped 50-something. So... You see, it's like doing better and winning games are supposed to win. That much I can be happy with because you run up against the healthy Suns or you run up against the healthy uh, Miami Heat or healthy Bulls. It, it, it does become a little bit comes a little bit tough. So, yeah, at least we're winning the games that are supposed to win. I am interested to see what moves that they make. Maybe if it's something that can open up the future. Um, don't let Robert Williams go. No, he's also everybody I like, like Smart and Williams, which you might argue are pretty much some of the only real tradable assets that'll get you value back. Their names are in it. I guess it's you can't have it both ways, right? You can't say this roster is is deadlocked and not gonna contend, but also don't want to trade anybody with trade value. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days with that. But I just say, hey, I'm not I'm not really super moved. I'm just saying, okay, this is a nice improvement and it might avoid the play in and they're above 500. So moving in a positive direction, defensive activity is certainly moving in a positive direction. Let's just end the season on in this positive direction. You lose to, let's see who we have. Yeah, you lose to the healthy Golden State Warriors in March. I'm not really tripping. You lose to the Pistons before that, I'm tripping. So I like, I like a little bit of what's happening there, but you move on to wow okay i'm gonna mention that last those two things go last i should have definitely went with the all-star stuff um the cavaliers that i did say i wanted to circle back around to kevin love but kevin love absolutely deserves more love first of all he might really end up for heavy with heavy consideration for that six man of the year award and just wanted to shine a lot on him a bit more because with everything the Cavs is doing it's easy to Look at the starting lineup and in, in the core and tall ball and what Evan Mobley is doing. But Love has been such a big part of that. It's a veteran presence, but he's more than just veteran presence. He actually provides for them off the bench. Comes off the bench, gives you 15 points a game, eight rebounds. A lot of those very important uh, wins, like with the, the Hornets the other day. Um, shooting 40% from three. And that's that's really, that's a lot of his job. He didn't obviously have to play like he's in Minnesota anymore. Um, even though against the Hornets, he did have a couple of those, a couple of those fadeaways. And it's just, it's been big because there was once upon a time where Kevin Love was just kind of sitting in Cleveland and we were like, all right, well, when's he going to Portland to play with Damian Lillard? That was, that was a sentiment a year ago, probably 
maybe even two. Um, we're looking at Cleveland going. They're not going anywhere. So where's Kevin Love going? And he's got this huge contract that he's not really worth anymore. And I'd been wondering about that approaching the trade deadline. Uh, before, really a couple of weeks ago, I was wondering, well, does Cleveland go ahead and trade him while he's, he's not probably worth his contract number, but do they trade him while he's playing as good as he's probably going to get and, and get pieces for him to continue to build with this Cleveland roster? Because he is 33 years old. It's not like, it's not like you have forever with him. He does not match the timeline of this Cavaliers team. But then also that becomes a thing of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You have a chance at first seed in the East the way things are right now. And especially with how you just got better with Karis LeVert. I'm going to say you probably got better. You really don't have to get too drastic and then trade the, the veteran on your team. At this point, what, the one veteran on your team that's playing uh, incredible basketball for you and better than you expected. So you probably want to keep that around. Yeah, Kevin Love has is, is, been hooping. And for him to be able to turn around what the, the trajectory of his, his bench role with Cleveland. That's been another big thing for them this season. Um, spotting up on the three-point line, catch and shoot, doesn't get in the way of any kind of offense. Uh, obviously doesn't get in the way of, of Mobley or Jared Allen. I've even seen him as a small forward in that lineup, if I'm not mistaken. So big season for Kevin Love, huge thing for them. Now they just need him and everyone else to stay healthy. Speaking of which, in that Cavaliers game, I was kind of questioning, why did the Hornets go for a tip with 1.2 seconds left? If you hadn't seen that game, that's how it ended. There was, uh, I think the L2 report came out, and or the NBA came out and said Kevin Love should not have been shooting free throws on that rebound that he got, which basically gave him the game-winning free throws. But also, there was 1.2 left, and it seems like it was explicitly drawn up that the Cavaliers were going to try to get a, a tip in an inbounds alley on Jared Allen and whether he followed him or not it just wasn't also like that just didn't seem like a great idea I don't know I watched that and I just questioned it but I'm not the coach I'm not a coach speaking of coaches when the season began we we're looking at the Wizards going hey what Unsell Jr's got going on up there looks pretty nice it has more or less devolved the Wizards are still able to make the play in, but Bradley Beal has an uncertain future. So we're circling back around to that now because I had mentioned his contract before. That is one of those contracts that's not really getting any kind of mention, even though it's it's a big deal. He's not having the same season, but the Wizards are also a, a different team now, so they don't need him to, to run the most miles in the NBA while scoring 30 plus every night. Um... I don't think there's real traction for a trade for him this week. I hadn't heard that, but also this is pretty much their last chance, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it seemed like you would be hearing more. We heard about the uncertain future, sure, but for your star player, yeah, to have an option this summer, $37 million, and he has said that he wants to stay in Washington and build if possible, but I think we both know that building a championship team in Washington it's not likely it doesn't happen a whole lot there's a lot of it's a lot of pieces that would have to there's a lot of things that would have to change for that to happen and so looking at him still young by the way still 28 years old still got time but also this is like your chance here this is your chance and so the wizards i guess i just i just really hadn't heard much about them moving him but also they could lose him for nothing this offseason 
And I just find that really interesting because if you're Washington, then what do you do? Kuzma is having a good season for you. That's cool. Um, but yeah, what do you do? And then also Dinwiddie's not getting along with the locker room. The locker room's not getting along with Dinwiddie. So looking to move him. Um, who's coming back from ACL for a season back can be great or it could just be trying to find yourself. Obviously, he doesn't have the same opportunities he had in Brooklyn or the same role or any of that. I'm not sure if he could feel it anymore, feel it anymore either. So if you're Washington, what do you do? You got till Thursday or you can risk it. Risk it for the biscuit. I don't know, man. I don't know if I would risk it if he hasn't. If you don't pull Giannis and, and go ahead and sign and don't even give other teams a chance, I, I don't know. Well, that's happening. For the ah, my gosh, bro. I you know what? I do I do definitely apologize because some of these notes were arranged weirdly today. I should have had some of these closer. Like Josh Green, I did want to talk. I it, it was only a small note, anyways. When I was talking about the Mavericks, I definitely should have mentioned Josh Green um, because he's now pretty much playing the exact role for them that I thought he was going to play last year. Before I you know, really knew that, um, well, at that point that was that was Rick Carlisle who wasn't going to play a rookie. Uh, but now, obviously, a different coach gives more opportunity. Every now and then, he comes in and gives you a, a decent number of points, but it's nothing. It's nothing crazy. Uh, three and D guy. Remember, the whole reason I had been interested in this game is because he was one of the players that popped up when me and Halliburton were, were playing 2K and we played with him at one point. So I got curious and watched some of his college ball. And I was like, well, it's, when Mavericks picked him, I was like, that's a nice pickup. This guy can play pretty intense defense, use some three pointers. And at least this season, he's getting an opportunity to do that. So he'll that, that's uh, I expect him to be a nice piece for them if he doesn't end up swept up in some kind of trade at some point. Um but Dallas is giving him minutes now, so that's nice. And definitely a, a plus for their defense. Yeah, that, that should have been mentioned with the Maverick section. And moving lightly to another Texas team. Shout out to PG Jalen Green at some points, but not really. Mostly I just wanted to talk about KPJ because since his incident a month plus ago already. Wow, that went so fast. Yeah, KBJ since then um had been been shooting 40% from 3, averaging 13.7 assists. I just like his response because it seemed like it could have gone south after that incident where he essentially quit on the Rockets. Well, he came back and I'm happy for him. He's playing well. Paul damn, I almost said uh Paul that is absolutely not his name. Coach for the Rockets. Let me get that, man. His actual I'm just blank I'm just blanking today on um a couple of names because he has a very cut steven silas i wanted to say paul silas so bad that man's name is steven silas anyways yeah he talked about kpj and was like yeah there was even a play where i called this and wanted to get it to garrison or get it to whoever and kpj comes up and like hey what if we do the play this way we get it to garrison matthews we put him here just an aptitude to learn aptitude to participate i'm happy to see that because when they when that was his second incident right that was his that was his second incident. I was getting a little bit scared for him. It's going, okay, that, all that potential is just not enough for some of these antics that are happening. Um, he's back. He's played pretty well. He did have a young man moment. He had a young guy moment against the Golden State Warriors where he was like talking to Steph and trying to intimidate him. And of course, Steph had 40. So it's also kind of interesting. But hey, it's he's still young, right? He's still young. So did just want to give him a mention on here. Um, 
Houston. I had seen it. I had seen a report that they would be what they know. They made it clear to James Harden if he ever wanted to return, he's very welcome, which doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me just because why do that again when you could just go ahead and rebuild Harden is headed towards his older age so you got a chance not a chance like that is the process right now as young guys and figuring out how to regret move Jalen Green along and unlock all his the most of his athleticism and the, the flashes that he shows why ever throw Harden back on top of that I don't know but uh yeah that, that's that's good stuff for KPJ the Nuggets addition with Bryn Forbes I had been tracking that that just did once uh mentioned that I am excited for the future of that Nuggets team when they can maybe at least get Jamal Murray back so Forbes has actually pretty much given you what he's given you for the Spurs in this stretch that he's been with Denver he's played 10 games for them so far he's savaging 10 points 37 percent from three 38 percent from three it's almost identical to his season numbers at this point um He's trying to figure it out. I had seen he's had some rough shooting nights. Puts the ball on the floor a little bit more than I knew, to be honest. Um, but I, I do think that with the shooting, definitely that's what I was looking for when they added him. Didn't cost him much at all to do. And so it, no MPJ this year, but at least when you get Jamal Murray back, Bryn Forbes just gives me even more confidence that this is going to be a very tough first round for somebody. You talk about everything that Jokic can do. And uh, maybe when Jokic is on the bench, Forbes is handling the ball. Uh, but when he in the lineups that you can run with him and Jokic, though, and a Murray, that's where it's like, all right, cool. You, you have something decent that you can do here. And somebody can get got in the first round. Jokic can do enough to, to beat somebody that they'll be playing in the first round, which could, if they can get the fifth seed, then you can talk about playing like Utah. Or uh, maybe even the Mavericks at that point. So really, I think the most ideal matchup would be Dallas. We'll see, though. It's a lot of stuff working itself out in the standings. Circling. Uh, before we do that, before I just give a little bit of notes on the dunk contest, I did just want to talk about the three MVP candidates that came out for... Was it all the Smoke podcast? Kendrick Perkins, Matt Barnes, and Steven Jackson had a list of the MVP candidates. Off the top of my head, I don't think any of them included Jokic. And I think the top three for all of them was Steph Curry. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's literally all I'm going to say about that. Uh, that's that's just... That's all I'm going to say. The dunk contestants... <laughs> Are Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano Anderson, Jalen Green, and I am missing one. I thought I could freestyle it. Who's the who's the one super obvious one that I'm missing? Because I I missed him also on the when I was doing the NBA show last week. Why, whenever you look up lists like this, they can never just make it easy. Obi Toppin, of course. All right. Well, I will say I'm at least excited for Jalen Green because I know Jalen Green can can jump higher than any human should be able to. And so I, if anything, you're looking at him play this year. That's the one positive. It's his, his athleticism. If you just if you can't find anything else that can unlock quite a bit for him. So Cole Anthony also has had some impressive dunks uh, before the NBA. 
Juan Toscano was a name that really confused people, but apparently he, he before the NBA, he's been a leaper. So he might pull out something that impresses you, but <sighs> I'm just an old head that misses the days of the NBA All-Star weekend where the All-Stars participated in every contest because while Juan Toscano might do something cool, Juan Toscano was also not the name that I'm excited to see on Saturday night. It was, I just missed the days of like Dwight Howard, you know? I, I guess I can't really, like, because even in that dunk contest, I had Dwight Howard. There was Nate Robinson then, and then also Gerald Green was there. But Gerald Green, look, the one thing you knew about Gerald Green was he can give you one of the best dunks you've ever seen at all times. So if he wasn't an all-star, he was still an all-star dunker. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, man, who are the that, that's that's the dunk contestants. Um, there's no reason for me to beat that horse. Like, it's not like it's not like we're any closer to seeing the best guys. The three point contestants. I know Fred Van Vliet is in it. Um, the list of announcements will be. No, they got announced. Oh, did they all not get announced yet? Huh? OK, well, Fred Van Vliet is in there. I know Fred Van Vliet is in there, but I don't know who else. Yeah, I thought there was at least one more name. So the summer points that Trey Young would compete. I really hope he does. Uh, we can assume that Fred leader in contest as well as Steph Curry, huh? That should be interesting. Is that how he gets his streak back? I don't know. Well, that might be it for this week. I think I have covered most of the ground that I want to. Trade deadline is coming up here in a couple of days. And I hope that shit hits the fan. That's that's my hope. It's my wish. James Harden gets traded this soon. The Brooklyn Nets will have only ever played 16 games together as a big three. And I'm not going to say anything about a video idea. It might get stolen. If you enjoyed this podcast, I always appreciate you rating it. Either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciate that. Like button on YouTube also helps, or maybe it doesn't, I don't know. You never know when YouTube is just going to blow itself up. But do appreciate that. Also hitting the like button and subbing. And the bell bell next to my name, so you get a notification every time one of these drops every week. Much appreciated. I will see y'all after Ben Simmons is a Brooklyn Net next week.